can't never stop working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work, determination. I've got to keep pushing myself. Hello and welcome to Hiya, the only podcast that thinks Tony Jaw is a Swedish yes man. Don't touch that <laughs> dial, folks, because when you weren't looking, we licked it. This episode is number four, recorded March 11th, 2012, and we're jam-packed with goodness and ready to go. We have a discussion topic on the different ways to organize a martial arts system, from the rigidly hierarchical, almost paramilitary side of the spectrum to the super casual family style at the other. We also have a uh, interesting interview with Todd Alehu coming up about his studies and experiences with Chin Jong Hua, aka Joseph Chen. And tying up the show, we have Craig's news segment and a quick media mop up. With me in the studio, we have our co-host Craig, drunken bastard. I mean, drunken <laughs> master Keesling, oh, yeah. and our producer, magnificent Jay Low. That's because I've got that fantastic ass. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> we covered that in jelly last time we talked. I mean, we covered that last time we talked. <laughs> okay. Um, how are we doing today, folks? Doing all right. Doing all right. How are you doing, Dave? Oh, I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty Excellent. good. I've got a whole diatribe that I could go into about daylight savings time, but we'll save believe, that for yeah, another you, show. We'll save that for the day, daylight saving time podcast uh, <laughs> <laughs> where we rip into it. <laughs> I think I'm going to do that. Once a year, I'm going to do a podcast on how much daily, daylight saving time fucking blows. Yeah, well, I'm not happy about it today, that's for sure. No, me neither. Me neither. We all lost a little sleep. So if we're a tad extra punchy, folks, forgive us or join in and get punchy with us. Um. Oh, sorry. I've got a frog in my pants. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> so uh, we should probably talk just briefly about uh, we finally got our website up. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, Yay! com. You can access all the itunes and other methods of uh, catching the podcast there. And check out the extensive show notes and links that we give for each episode. Um. We're also working on some new segments for the show, so keep your eyes peeled for that. In particular, we would like to do a mailbag show where we get feedback from the listeners, comments, suggestions, questions. Uh, we want to keep this entertaining for you, not just ourselves. So, uh, so yeah, bring you guys it on, make folks. this happen. So definitely interact with us. You know, shoot us your questions. If you know somebody who uh, might make a good interviewee. Uh, that'd be great as well, you know. Yeah, uh, so. talk to us. Don't make this be a one-way dialogue. Uh, yeah, we need feedback. We need to be snuggled and punched. <laughs> All right. So, if we like what you say, we'll put, we'll we'll read it. Yeah, we'll on the air. It. We might there even sing it in three-part harmony if we like it enough. So that's a little too much snuggle, but okay. <laughs> and for that matter, if we don't like what you say, we might even read it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on the air. <laughs> So roll the dice, take your chances, but uh, get involved in the show if, uh, if you have an inclination to do so. Okay, first off, we have a discussion topic for this week, pros and cons of various systems of organization and martial arts. Um, let me just say up front that when I say family style, I'm not talking about a particular family style like hunga or you know anything like that. Or the Jones Kung Fu. Or the Jones Kung Fu style, yeah. Uh, we're talking about a familial type of organization within the system that tends to be 
relaxed and low key and uh, doesn't have a rigid system of advancement from one thing to the next. It doesn't have a lot of rewards for you've passed this plateau over and over and over again in tiny segments. It's basically, um, you know, you're everybody's little brother until you're somebody's big brother. And, <laughs> and eventually, if you get good enough, you know, you're a teacher. That's right. Granddaddy or uncle. Or yeah, like that. right. And on the other side, uh, we'll go as far out as, as paramilitary-style teaching. We might touch on that. But we're not going to talk about military, modern military-style teaching because, let's face it, when you've got uh, bazookas and rocket launchers and AR-15s and nuclear weapons, you don't <laughs> – <laughs> Your, your modern military doesn't spend a ton of time on martial arts. So. That's one general and a whole lot of people just sitting there going, hi-ya, they press a button. <laughs> yeah. Dude, whatever. My kung fu beats, mili- be- beats, beats fucking warheads. All right. Yeah, I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, check the YouTube because we could have some <laughs> special for it's, you. It's, it's right. coming. <laughs> it's coming. So, uh, <clears throat> so obviously uh, – uh, Craig, I've I've spent some time in both types of schools, mm-hmm. at least as far as uh, never a strictly paramilitary school. And I guess let's just push that out of the way because there are a few teachers in different styles. We we've got a fella in the area who kind of does that that adopt a rigidly sort of oh yeah uh, paramilitary uh, type of training for their students, but. We're not going to go all the way out to there. Mostly, if you're in the Atlanta area, you probably know who we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we won't name them because we don't want ninjas climbing up sides of our house. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but uh, uh, we're mostly talking about on that side uh, places that have uh, a strict belt ranking system. You come in the door, you tie on your white belt, and you start adding stripes and bangles, and then you get your next belt. Your yellow, your green, your Puce. I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, uh, and Craig, I assume you've been on both sides of that fence as well. Indeed, I have. Um, yeah, definitely. Because, you know, having grown up going through um, more of the popular styles of karate and taekwondo and whatnot, <clears throat> and then I made the switch to Chinese, um, you know, it, it's. So I've seen the belts and the structure and stuff like that. And I mean, it's, let's just put it out there. It's it's pretty obvious to say that most Chinese systems uh, can be classified more under that family style than the more rigid, I guess you would call, or the structured um, when it comes to progression and advancement. Um, you know, there are some out there that do it. Yeah, and it's becoming more and more prevalent, I it think, is. as people realize. Uh, let's Let's talk about this aspect of this. Having those clear-cut stepping stones is really good, especially for newer students, because you get a tangible sense of progress. True. Uh, you can see yourself moving up the ladder almost from the get-go, because like I said, the early belts especially, they like to split them up into <laughs> you know, yellow with two stripes and a star and a smiley face button on it you know, before you get to take the next test. <laughs> right, right. Um, <clears throat> But I, I've, you know, I've noticed in classes that I teach and that I've been in, it can be a real struggle to stay motivated when you just kind of seem to be at sea in this vast body of knowledge and maybe True. not sure what the direction to get to the end of it is. Or yeah, I mean, it helps to it give take. a goal. It helps, yeah. you know, to have a goal, especially uh, you know, in a, in a nebulous system. For example, in, in my system, Northern Shaolin, there's just a lot of material, um, and a lot of times, you know. 
after somebody learns, you know, a, a set of movements or form movements and we work on the applications and all do all that, there's still a period of time where it's just a matter of getting good at it, getting better at it. You know, but if there was somebody, you know, in this situation, uh, if they had a belt or a star or whatever it might be to shoot for that um, with a very clear defined uh, requisites in order to get that, uh, it might take a lot, a lot of the lost feeling out, you know. Right. I mean, there's, there's some good, there's some definitely uh, some good stuff to it. Um, and then also if you run a school or teach, uh, there's the financial thing it's it helps for student retention you know it helps keep students longer i I find it a little bit ironic that it does that because it helps with student retention retention but it also uh lightens their wallets significantly (laughs) more than the other way of doing it because there's always extra fees for the tests you know yeah that depends i mean that's a choice you know you can have the belts and stuff without the testing fees um but i mean most schools do do the testing fee and um you know, some schools also divide it on, you know, one particular day per month or every three months is testing day. If you're getting ready to take a test, that's when you do it. Uh, we're, whereas the system I come from, it's just, are you ready to test? Uh, yeah. Okay, let's do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those tests are scary enough, I would often say. No, nope, <laughs> don't. Not today. Indeed. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> okay. Well, fair enough. So um, on the uh, on the uh, side of having uh, a looser family style system, what are some of the benefits of that? That's a, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Even though we do I've it, done it that way forever. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what some of the benefits I find are. One, you're much less less likely to get a teacher that that's power mad. True, or, True. or I see what you're somewhat saying. less likely anyway. A guru I don't know how type much. Thing. Right, and to have. Uh, bad school politics. True. You know, if um, uh, of course I could see that going either way. It's just in my personal experience, having the more relaxed structure means that there's not always somebody gunning to be the teacher's pet or beat you to that promotion right. or rubbing your nose in the fact that you don't have as many stripes on your belt. Even if this person is, uh, you know, somebody you could mop the sidewalk with once you walked out of the dojo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it. I can see where you're coming from. It. It definitely helps. I mean. Now that I think the way you called it family style, um, you know, that's the key uh, is that, you know, when you have the belts and stuff like that, almost every school has a black belts club, you know, and everybody wants to be in it. Um, yeah, it's like it's, the officer's mess. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you, you know that those guys are getting, you know, the secrets or the higher level stuff, or maybe they get to go out for pizza with a teacher and you don't or something, you know, so that's cool. There's a pros to that but there's also the cons to it when you have the family system um everybody's brothers and sisters regardless you've been in it for 10 years or one year you know and everybody helps everybody does the same you know crap (laughs) yeah so (laughs) well you can do stuff side by side with people that are a lot better and a lot newer and worse than you at something and that kind of back and forth feedback i think can help develop some depth in the in the system that you might not get if you're stuck training in blocks with other equivalently skilled people exactly exactly um you know of course there's (laughs) excuse me you always hear the argument of just tradition but that's not a very solid argument in my opinion because there's there's no weight behind it but i mean you know you hear it's just the way we've done it for so long and it's the way we'll continue to do it you know and you always hear people say oh traditionalists we don't use belts you know and 
Well, quite a few people do, you know, even traditionalists. You know, it occurs right. to me too that there that there's there's certainly like a, a certain cross section of the population that a, something closer akin to a directed study approach just kind of works for them better as a part of, as opposed to having this rigid c- curriculum set right. as well. You know, mm-hmm. well, part of it is uh, you know in the end we're not really trying to elevate one of these above the other, but just elucidate the differences so you can think about what you're personality is going to mesh with better. If you don't like being told what to do and when to do it and barked at, then there are some schools that you do not want to go in. True. On the other hand, if you're naturally lazy and you know it and you need somebody, that's me. Yeah. (laughs) You need somebody to goad you. A lot of times in family style, a lot of stuff is left on the student. Oh yeah. It's like, we'll show it to you. Now go off, you know, walk 10 feet away in the field and and start practicing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to come over there and hit you with a stick every time you stop. Right. You just got to keep practicing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. When I don't see you practicing and I don't uh, hear any questions, I guess we know, you know. <laughs> right. But at the same time, um, you know, to, to come back to the point of, yeah, we're not pushing either one of these, um, you know, kind of full disclosure here. But one of the reasons this is a discussion topic uh, is the fact that you and I, Dave, had this discussion the other night over the phone. Um, because even though we've both been doing this family style for quite a while, uh, <laughs> individually we've both been thinking the same thing, kind of uh, weighing this uh, ranking idea or more structure into our system of teaching. Because um, there's a lot of benefits, and you know, yeah. it's hard not to, to to go that route one way or the other, uh, especially as a teacher, I mean. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and while I'm not thinking about, you know, 10 layers of belts or no. anything like that, just having a few milestones and some specific exactly. ceremony or activity that you do when you pass a milestone mm-hmm. uh, would really help with cohesion and, you know, and people not dropping out of, of the kind of classes we teach. True, true. Oh, yeah, people dig ritual. Yeah, and they there's do. nothing wrong with that, you know. I, I'm very strictly non-mystical, but I still love a good ritual, you know. <laughs> hey, <laughs> did you do that rhyme on purpose? Was that rhyming? It, it, it was. was a poet and didn't yeah. know it. Oh, <laughs> oh that's right. <laughs> oh, that's why we have you in here. there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, and oh, another little interesting thing to point out about this for anybody that might not know. The ancient and venerable system of ranking with belts is only about 100 years old. Jigoro. <laughs> Jigoro Kano. Uh, yeah, it started out in judo. They wore sashes with their obis, and they had, I think, three levels. Nice. Uh, or maybe just two. Well, I like the idea of three because you got first you have obi, then one, and I think it's Kenobi next, is it? Is it <laughs> yeah. <what> it is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of being in there. <laughs> yeah, initially they, initially they only used black and white, yeah. uh, and then the colors were added later. Um, but you know, it caught on like wildfire because apparently it worked. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like I was mentioning to you earlier, the uh, there's there's different Fu people that do it. You know, Chinese martial arts uh, people do it. The I believe the first uh, kung fu uh, style that did it was a uh, northern praying man. It's a seven star system. And they always wore sashes, black sashes, which had no uh, the uh, significance as far as color. But they needed uh, something to, you know, organize their structure. So they started using stars. You know, obviously seven stars was the highest. But uh, 
Well, we cool. all like stars. Stars. We're conditioned to that as children. It's like if you get oh, yeah. so many stars for doing your chores, you go to the bookstore on the weekend and buy King Kong post. Wait, that's a <laughs> <laughs> King Kong poster. I, I'm reliving my childhood oh, exactly. now. <laughs> <laughs> You're dating yourself a little bit. There. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jade Man comics, man. <laughs> <laughs> the Dino De Laurentiis version. At least Ooh, it wasn't yeah. the one from the 20s. Uh, <laughs> I got He-Man toys. <laughs> yeah. On the on the last on on one final note on on this whole ranking and, and structure thing, um, I guess one concern I've always had is you know when you start doing ranks, whatever you're using, um, you know, in milestones or whatever, there's always the last one. You know, that's my my thing. You know, is that. I don't want somebody to get to the point, I'm a pink belt now, and I'll whoop you all, you know? And- <laughs> right. Well, there's so many places that that abuse that and cycle people. You know, when I see a 14-year-old kid with a black belt, it makes me want to laugh. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, I, you know, uh, but, you know, that's up to the individual system to decide. how. They, some people have children's black belts, and then they have to earn adult black belts and oh, yeah. so on and so forth. But, you know, and it's mainly, I think, in America or maybe even European, you know, Western problem is that when you get that black belt, you think you're walking death. And I think a lot of schools that use that as a tool for retention lose a lot of people After when they that hit that belt. level and realize that, oh, it's just, uh, what did Big Al say last time he was in here when he got his black belt? His teacher told him, Congratulations! You graduate kindergarten. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> you know. Um, although I do find appealing some of the systems that once you hit black belt, you start uh, you progress further to that, and to eventually you come back around to a white belt again, and you st- stay in a white belt. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now unlearn everything we've taught you. It was all crap. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking by the time well, they get you the real. Stuff. I'm thinking by the time they get you to the pink belt, you should be able to kick everybody's ass. <laughs> yeah, you ought you know, to. Yeah. yeah. If if not, don't wear it walking be, down yeah. the street. And, and you should. And you should have to wear it all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the heels come next. Right. So to sort of sum this up, and again, we're not trying to get too heavy with this, but uh, just understand, folks, there's a spectrum of ways that styles are organized out there. And it's worth looking into if you're not already training something before you start your training and figure out what style of training is going to suit your temperament. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and look into it. Like I said, you know, most Chinese arts are not going to have, uh, you know, belts. I mean, they may have sashes, but they're, they're not going to have a ranking system usually unless it's through the family system of literally who is brother, who's older brother, who's older brother, brother, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I tell you what, listeners, uh, why don't you also write in and, and tell us what system you use in your school? Um, that'd be great. You know, yeah. um, once we get this episode up on the air, up on the website, uh, write a comment. Tell us uh, how you guys, um, you know, use ranking in your school. Uh, if you're a teacher, let us know that and what you found uh, to be helpful to you and what you like. Yeah. And also any pitfalls you run into. Uh, yeah, Definitely. And uh, just to close out, also, uh, we don't want to make it sound like there's no sort of, uh, in Chinese martial arts, it's all loosey-goosey. <laughs> Chinese martial arts has its own little thing, yeah. indoor and outdoor. True. Well, and then you have Baisi, but a lot of people are, yeah. you know, flubbing that up a little bit too much, too. But, uh, yeah, that I mean, like, I've had two students ask me about what Baisi means, you know, and obviously hinting, do I do it, and stuff like that. And I let them know the truth that, yeah, I do it. But we'll talk about that once we get to that point, because that's a serious deal. I don't play with that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. 
And, uh, you know, we'll, we should probably set that aside for its own little topic someday. Indeed, yeah. The indoors and the outdoors. There you go. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a short break while we get our interview on the line. Okay, uh, thanks for sticking around. We're back with our guest, Todd. Oh, come on, just pronounce it for me one more time. <laughs> uh, Todd Elihu. Elihu. Uh, it's funny, I mean, I've known you over 10 years, but uh, you were always Todd FM back in the day. Yeah. That's um, <laughs> Yeah, when we got married, we, we chose our own last name. That is sweet. I don't know if you know Paul Salou, but he did the same thing there in Athens. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's, that's neither ball. really here nor there for the uh, <laughs> listening audience. Um, why don't you go ahead and uh, just briefly encapsulate what you do uh, right now? You're a you're a disciple of uh, Chen Zhonghua. That's correct. Yeah. So uh, I'm focused on the Chen style Tai Chi Chuan practical method. Um, I've also done Huan Yuan Tai Chi with Master Chen, but uh, mainly focused on the practical method at this point. All right. Cool. Let's uh let's go back and uh, start from the beginning. We like to do this with our guests. What uh, what drew you into martial arts in the first place? Tell us a little bit about a little yeah, bit about your, your early yeah your early martial arts experiences and your history. Well, I got into Taiji first of all because I was a runner. Um, I was getting shin splints, and I was looking for an exercise form that was uh, less impact. Uh, less injurious, more holistic. To, uh, so I researched Tai Chi classes, yoga classes in the Athens area. I ended up taking a uh, Yang style class with Jun Feng Chu in 1997 at the mm. Center for Continuing Education at UGA. Okay. And uh, then I started taking uh Chen style with Xiaoming Chong in 2000. Xiaoming. <laughs> and uh, did, a, did some push hands and applications. That was like the first exposure to the martial aspects of Tai Chi I was exposed to. I took some workshops with um, Chung Jin Sai, Wong, Wong Feng Ming, Alexei Evchenikov, Don Ethan Miller uh, in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, then, I, of course, I started studying with you, um, Dave Jones, <laughs> uh, in around 2002, I think, Northern Shaolin, Gao style, Bagua, a little Xingyi. Yeah, um, we did some of that during my ill-fated return to Athens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so then I, Master Chen was giving a seminar um, at Kennesaw State in Marietta, and Carl Lindbergh, who I was training with a lot at the time, both of us went up there and checked him out. And uh, he just had something that I had never experienced um, from any other of the masters or t teachers that I'd dealt with up until that point. I mean, he just 
but he gave a demonstration and lecture uh, the Friday night before the seminar. And afterwards, he was he invited me up, and he was just like, "Do whatever, push me over." <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, uh, did it work? <laughs> uh, no. Immediately when I touch him, it's like there's nothing I could could do. And uh, so you decided you wanted to get some of that too. Yeah, yeah. And he he hit me with this punch. It was very light swinging punch like a hammer like the motion you use swinging a hammer right uh very light apparently it, once it hit me it was like a deep thud on my chest this sensation of heat and pain coursed through my torso <laughs> I, I, I felt like he was holding back you know right <laughs> so i was like oh this is something interesting yeah we, we martial artists are funny breed somebody hurts us and we go sweet yeah. <laughs> you got my attention again. sir <laughs> so uh, um yeah then, so i'm sorry I, go ahead then i uh signed up for his full-time training course which was to be held um the following winter in 2003 and uh that lasted three and a half months in edmonton alberta wow nice and, uh, yeah, so why don't, why don't we pause there? I would like to hear some of your experiences just with that full-time training because, frankly, that's a, 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 something I've never had the opportunity to try is just immersing myself in something for Yeah, you know, you're very lucky, months. and that's, I mean, that's extremely yeah. rare these days. You got Yang Jing Ming who runs a, a camp, but uh, um, I guess yeah. Chen is the only well, other one he wants one to I come and stay of. for 10 years. Uh, yeah, true. It's a little more manageable. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, so it was a three-and-a-half-month experience. Um, he had, It was at his studio in Edmonton. Um, so in addition to the regular class schedule, which we were invited to participate in, we also stayed there all day long, and uh, he would instruct. We would practice. There were uh, guys who had been through already been through one session of the full-time training in the fall who were there. And so I learned a lot from them, the senior students, and uh, it was geared more toward breadth than depth at that time compared to the full-time sessions he currently runs, in that that we learned a lot of forms. Now he just goes way more in-depth with ELU, which is the um, first routine of the Chen-style curriculum. so he but seems to have switched focus from giving people a, a, a broader approach to just honing in on one forum and building them up to the next thing through that. Yeah. Okay. So he, yeah, at, the, at that time he was, he just wanted us to uh, master or at least be exposed to all these different forms. And uh, I've since been in another full-time training session of his in 2009 and it was much uh, more in-depth in terms of applications, body mechanics, things like that, of the ELU, some ARLU form. Do you mind if I ask you? I'm, I'm just uh, curious, Todd, because um, ELU and ARLU, I mean, that literally means, you know, first road, second road in, in Chinese. Are there any other names that the, that the forms go by other than just like, you know, um, Elu is always just referred to as Elu. Uh-huh. Arlu is often uh, called Pao Chui or Cannon oh, Fist. Oh, Cannon Fist. Yeah, okay. Cool. Yeah. 
which is apparently what the Chen family arts were referred to as before they were called Tai Chi Chuan. I- I'm sorry, did you say Cannon Fist? Yes, yeah. indeed. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually kind of a, a common uh, name used throughout Chinese martial arts, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but... <clears throat> it's nice and descriptive. We always like that. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Apparently, when Chen Fa came to Beijing in 1928, people were calling what he did Tai Chi Chuan, and he was like, "I don't know. It's, we just this is just what we do back home. I don't know what it's called." <laughs> yeah, I've seen a bit of banding about on that about that on certain message boards where people try to say, "Well, he doesn't really do Tai Chi because yeah, <laughs> 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 I, I you know arose by any other name." Uh, yeah. So um, uh, another quick question I had on uh, the full-time training thing, because, you know, we may have some young people listening out there that want to – I always dreamed about doing something like that, and uh, oh, yeah. a lot of people do. Kung I mean, Fu how Fantasy. Did, how, how did you manage financing? Is that something that they set up for you, or was it just so cheap you could do it, or how, you know, how did that work out? Um, it cost about $3,000 at that time, um, and so I just used – my personal savings at the time to pay for that. There you um, go, kids. Plus, Dedication. Plus living expenses. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, how did the, the living situation go? I mean, did you um, have to find I, a hotel room or was he, or were there dormitories yeah. or, uh, he, he found us an apartment. And so there were five of us guys and a large apartment. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. I bet that was half the fun. Just, uh, Oh, yeah. Swapping paint and stories after you got finished with the day's training with the guys back at the pad. Yeah. Sweet. You still keep in touch with some of those fellows, I imagine? Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Carl Lindbergh was among them. Oh, okay. uh, Very cool. You know, he's hometown hero here in Athens. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We'll talk Um, to him someday, too. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I still... Many of those guys have also since become disciples of Master Chen's, and, and we, we're like family, so we still keep in touch. Sweet. And you've Let's, also, oh, I'm sorry, Craig, you've also been overseas and trained with him uh, in China. Am I correct in that, or did I miss him? Uh-huh, yeah, I've been uh, three times with him to China, 2004, 2008, and 2009. Um, 2004, uh, the first time we went over there to... Uh, the purpose of the visit was his ceremony where he was named the International Standard Bearer of Hong Junshong. So there's nice. many disciples of Hong came for that to Jinan uh, and Shandong province and uh, lots of... Did you say Shandong? Shandong, yeah. Oh, wow. That's uh, where my system, or Northern Shaolin, uh, has a huge contingency out there. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and... So there was a lot of exchange of information. There was a lot of compiling of old photos and videos of Hong. And, uh, so it was, a, it was a great event. Yeah, nice uh, research trip, it sounds like. Yeah. Got to see a lot of the old stuff. And then in 2008, um, I, went out, I went to check out Da Ching San. He had had it for, I think, a year at that point. And uh, also I was touring around uh we were doing research on chenfaka in particular trying to p- 
piece together other pieces of his story from different angles, talking to different lineage people from different lineages, things like that. Cool. Let me let me um, ask you real quick, just because I'm sure our listeners will have this uh, question too. Um, our discussion topic earlier, we were talking about ranking and different systems like that, and I noticed that um, you used the word disciple. Um, how is a disciple different from a student, specifically with uh, Master Chen? Uh, with Master Chen, it's more it's more of a familial relationship. You're uh, kind of pledging yourself to promote the, his art to the best of your abilities and to take care of him financially or if he's ever in need. Right. Um, so like a son, basically, I mean, it, the, the teaching doesn't really change to my, in my eyes. Like he teaches, uh, just regular students, the same as he teaches us disciples. So is um, it the same concept basically, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> of uh, getting a biseed is, or the bicep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, very cool, yeah. very cool. Well, that's that's nice. So he's not withholding material strictly for the disciples. It's just a different layer of relationship than with yeah. with the teacher. Uh-huh. It's the black belt club, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what he's saying. <laughs> the pink belt. Did you? Uh, while you were over there in China, did you get a chance to mix it up with uh, a bunch of other practitioners, uh, you know, testing your push hands? Uh, did you do any tournaments or anything like that, or was it more research-focused, those trips? Oh, no. I mean, there was always training with other practitioners. Um, we got to, I, I've spent time with uh, Master Leon Zhou in Shandong province, uh, Master Lee has trained many provincial and national push hands champions, so I got to Sweet. Uh, have some experience with some of those guys and get knocked around pretty good. I actually broke my arm oh. in 2004 in a kind of mock push hands competition. <laughs> now, and, wait, you broke it or the other guy broke it? Because <laughs> uh, that's pretty badass if you walk into the ring just break your own arm. That would stop any <laughs> argument, I think. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it was a combination of his maneuver plus my uh, rigidness. Okay. Uh, <laughs> not, I just, my whole goal going into the, the competition that day was not to fall down. And my stubbornness about that. <laughs> may have led to my arm breaking. <laughs> it may have oh, been, yeah. You're trying to say you should have fell down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, 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 stood, I stood my ground, but I looked down and I couldn't. My shoulder was not moving my lower arm anymore. So, uh, yeah, Yikes. that's a problem. Well, yeah. you know, that's that's pretty gritty for push hands. Uh, uh, why don't you explain to any listeners that might not be familiar with what actually goes on in a push hands match? You know, what are yeah, the what rules? What are you hands? trying to do? What are you not trying to do? It's um, not just so there's a hands. ring similar to how there's a ring for wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you're trying to do is either get the opponent to touch the inside, inside of the ring with their hand, um, make them lose balance significantly uh, or throw them down to the mat within the within the ring and 
it's more points if you can throw them out of the ring or, or throw them down out of the ring. If you push them out of the ring, it's also a point. Um, so there's a point system. You try to get to a certain number of points, around 16 or so. Um, okay. And... I, is yeah. there? Are you allowed to grapple and like grab a hold of their clothing or that sort of thing? Or is yeah, that... it's not like shwajiao in that respect. You can't you can't grasp the clothing like that. Um, so, and you can't grab behind the neck. Can you kick him in the nuts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't kick or punch. Um, you can't lift your leg. Uh, you can't lift your leg up high. You can sweep as long as your foot is close to the ground. To the ground, hmm. okay. Yeah. So, and how did that evolve as sort of the Tai Chi method of competition? I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I think it it's a recent phenomenon. It's uh, not something that's always been around. I think since the whole Wu Shuification of Chinese martial arts, it appeared. Oh, I wasn't um, aware of that. That's interesting. So. The, you know, the whole competitive aspect of Chinese martial arts. Um, but it, it's always been used as a training method to bridge the forms to free fighting because it helps you learn angles, timing, um, where the your own structure, the opponent's structure, where their center of gravity is so that you can easily manipulate them. Developing listening skills. In the yeah, exactly. Words. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's cool. Now, and, and I, I have a feeling the answer to this is going to be yes, because uh, you guys have a reputation as being one of the grittier uh, Tai Chi schools going out there right now. But uh, within your training, do you transition that within your school to free fighting? And if so, how does how does that work? Um, the free fighting that I've been exposed to has been very controlled. I mean, what Master Chen has shown me, it's just drills. Like, working, it's different than push hands and that it's uh, different aims, different goals that you're going for. Where but, it, but it's fairly restricted. I mean, w- would it be something yeah. like what we would call application practice where you have maybe a one-step or a three-step or a specific move that you trade back and forth, or is it more open-ended than that? That's right, because you're trying to keep each other safe and un- unharmed. Right. Um, <laughs> but in, just in like the backyard with Carl or other friends, we just bare knuckles go at it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you I th- <laughs> last time I saw you in Athens, you came out and you're like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I've known a few martial artists and that seems to be a trend among them all. Actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We call them, we call them tequila sparring nights. Or anything. <laughs> <laughs> So, but you know, that's with my master, it's always just like you're saying, like one, two, three, or strictly controlled drills where you're just focusing on. So, in push hands, what you're trying to do is uh, create a line in the opponent and then somehow disrupt that line or manipulate that line. And in free fighting, it would be you attack the line directly, you, you see where the line is in the opponent's structure. And it's immediate, like, uh, snap decision, quick move, and then you're out. What line are you referring to? What's that? What line are you referring to? The line that's created in their movement. So Uh, where their center of gravity is going, where the movement's taking them. It's about finding center of gravity, am I right? 
Yeah, and it's also uh, the line of force. Like, if they're powering from the rear foot to their hand. Ah, the pung, yeah. Ward off the... Very cool. That's interesting that you say that because that's that's something actually I, I tell my students a lot too is to look for lines and, and geometric shapes um, yeah. in the opponent's body. Cool. Um, can you tell us why uh, why Master Chen decided to call his system the practical method? Um, or that doesn't that seem to very it? practical to me. This is something that <laughs> this is something that Hong Jun Sung added, and huh. uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So he wrote a book. In the 80s, called Chen Shi Tai Ji Chuan Shi Yong Chuan Fa. It's a Chen Sao Tai Ji Chuan Practical Method. That's the name of the book. And uh, so people give various reasons. Uh, some people just say that we call it this just because that's what Hong called it, and they, they don't go any deeper than that. Um, some people, you know, a lot of Chen, other Chen style practitioners from other lineages have taken issue with it, saying like, "Well, does this <laughs> imply that that we're impractical?" Ch- yeah, that we're impractical. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you could you could make a similar thing about Bagua Zhang saying like, "Are you claiming that other styles such as Taiji don't integrate the eight trigrams? How dare you?" You know, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, you can't be integrating the eight trigrams because I've got them in my house, man. <laughs> so uh, I mean, it's not—it's not to put anybody down as impractical. It's just a means of di- differentiation. So, uh, like <laughs> Chen Zhao Kui, the form he made famous—they called New Frame, right? And an- another side of it is that traditionally there is a separation of Gong and Fa which is like skill and technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a saying like, I would rather teach 10 fa than one gong. Um, and that's to safeguard the art from unscrupulous people who would use it right. for evil or something. Uh, <laughs> and it's to protect the master. But uh, this is something that kind of started to... Um, kind of fade away as the modern age started to take hold in China. And, it, uh, by fade it, away, you mean you're, you're now getting 35 to one gong or <laughs> the, the, the rate's gone down even further? Well, what what, uh, what Hong noticed is that Chen Fakou's form was different than what he would do, His the way his body mechanics were when he used applications. So he's like, why is this, teacher? You know, why Why when you do the form, it's one way. When you do applications, it's different. He's like, I don't know. That's just the way my father taught me. Uh. And so he, what he said was like, well, can, can I alter the form so that it mirrors the body mechanics that you use in the application? He's like, sure, do what you want to. Yeah, well, sounds it seems like a legitimate question to me. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and it seems like it would make a lot of sense to do that because there's only so much time to practice in the modern world. It seems like you want to be able to, well, you want to be reinforcing the same skills if you want it. You know, if you're interested in it as a potential yeah. self defense art, um, <clears throat> you would want to be ingraining that and not trying yeah. to do two separate roads at the same time. Yeah. Well, that's what he's like. I hope to by doing this. I hope to save my student Hong said this I hope to save my students a lot of time and energy that I've spent trying to <laughs> learn the proper body mechanics by right. like just putting them direct 
putting them directly into the form. Put the apps get- directly in. Gotcha. Let me ask you, would you consider that <clears throat> that explanation basically to be the main difference between, I guess, traditional or loud ja- or uh, traditional chin style versus practical method? Um, I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not totally familiar with Lao Jia or what the uh, other lineages of Chen style do. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, we're not trying to force you to speak for yeah. anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, 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 I guess it's a, it's a difference. Um, and I guess that's one reason why it's practical. I mean, when Hong went to go see Chen Fa in 1954 after being, um, separated from him for a while Chen Fakha said that there was no move in the form that was without martial utility like everything was useful and uh, the other reason is another reason why they call it practical is Hushu uh, Gan in the foreword to Hong's book said that Hong always avo- uh, avoided quote unquote no uh, or bogus talk of chi like he never spoke of chi energy or anything he just was all about physics mechanics things like that man after my own heart (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't i tend not to use that word around dave either but i i like it because it's so artsy and can mean so many things right yeah but the other thing is like it's it's if you look at feng uh who's master chin's later master after hong passed away he explains everything in terms of chi and in terms of uh, kind of these metaphysical concepts. But if you then when you watch him uh, do an application, it's very similar to what the practical method people do. You know? Yeah, whatever gets the job done, I guess. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so just different explanatory frameworks. Right, and I, I'm always quick to say that I, I think the use of chi in martial arts is typically as a pre-scientific paradigm and not as a genuine description of something mystical. It's a mixture of poetic language and trying to describe things that you might not have terminology sure. for at the time, but you can experience them and know they're happening. And sure. my superpowers. And Craig's superpowers. We can't forget about those. Well, you got to have something to explain those. <laughs> yeah, true, true indeed. <laughs> So uh, you've been teaching for a little while yourself. Uh, how's that going? Uh, well, I, I used to teach a lot of group classes, and due to my current life circumstances as a grad student and father, um, yeah, <laughs> I've I've Listen just primarily been working with students privately, and uh, it's been suiting me better because what I really just I, I'm not really trying to teach for mass appeal. I'm just trying to develop a core group of uh, dedicated students who really want to learn the art and pass on uh, the teachings of my master. This uh, this seems to be another theme we keep running into. <laughs> 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 Even with, uh, we had Ellis Amder on and, you know, he's a karate teacher, but he yeah. said right off the bat, he's like, I got it easy because I pick who I want to teach and I'm not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not out there trying to appeal to the broadest common market. Let me ask you, uh, being <clears throat> uh, involved with Chen style Tai Chi, um, you know, sitting here, I've been teaching for, Jesus, over 20 years now. Dave's been teaching for quite a while, and now you've been teaching. Would you say that it's actually been your experience as well, the typical thing you always hear, of that you learn new things ab- about your art via teaching? Have you experienced that yourself? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, through teaching, one learns. Mm. And uh, Hong apparently told his students, uh, we're all classmates together. There you go. And so he, you know, creates this horizontal relationship amongst the teacher and the students. And uh, I remember Master Leon Joe saying that uh, studying with Hong was like a socialist utopia, because by which he meant that it was like a a learning community marked by mutuality and cooperation, um, that there was always that closeness and not like, there was never like a feeling of like, oh, he's the master on high and like he's up, he's just like up in there with you and trying things and uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, not, like, a, not encouraging worshipful, you know, attitudes or, or, yeah. or the risk with that is, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have hidden behind that uh, sort of veil of authority and actually didn't know what they were teaching. <laughs> so if somebody's willing to get in there and mix it up with you while they're teaching, uh, then you can at least get a much better idea if they know what they're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, and, and in my experience, that's how it is with, between master Chen and fellow disciples and other students. Uh, it's, it's like a sense of family and we're all just trying to learn together. There's not a lot of egos and competition going on. Yeah, that sounds very healthy and productive. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you guys? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um so and and that's starting to play out with your own teaching career. So, yeah, I'm trying to replicate that uh here in Athens. Starting small, trying to grow bit bigger, but uh Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um this is a, we've been on for a little while, but I got a I got a few more questions if you got time. Sure. Um, I was curious about uh, just the uh, the components of your Tai Chi system because you got Elu, Arlu. Uh, how many how many different weapons forms? What kind of weapons? Yeah, do what they teach? the what curriculum? Are, yeah, what's the curriculum of? look like? Um, what I have learned from Master Chen is Elu or the foundations: uh, Elu, Arlu, straight sword, broadsword. Um, there's pole shaking. To develop power, yeah, let's, do that let's to myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Craig. <laughs> let's let's pause on pole shaking. <laughs> mad, mad pole shaking goes on here. I'm, I'm um, but why don't you go explain to anybody that may not be familiar with it what that exercise yeah. or that that technique? Oddly is. enough, Ellisander in his uh, interview was doing a little pole shaking. Yeah, he, he gave us a little demonstration <laughs> with a, some pole shaking. So uh, go ahead and explain how how that works with Chen style. Um, so what you're trying to do is you have like a 10 foot or longer waxwood staff, a long pole, and you're trying to use the rotation of your joints, rotation of your waist to transmit that power to the tip of the pole. So it's to, it's to develop that ability to translate your power, um, beyond your body into a into a body beyond you so ideally ideally this would translate into putting your energy in and through an opponent right so from pole shaking to to people shaking (laughs) (laughs) or people punching but it it, yeah it helps uh from what i've seen and done a little bit of it, it, it it can really help focus your uh your intent in particular movements as you drill them with a pole and yeah, the projection. Um, cool. Uh, and what else is in there? Um, 
I mean, that's pretty much it. That's it's a fairly simple curriculum. I mean, we there's a series of foundational exercises which we constantly perform, like the like positive the and negative of, circle, or the yeah. foundations of the entire system. Uh, that, like silk reeling is is that an official part? Of, like I, I studied with Xiao Ming for a little while while I was in Athens too, and and they were he was big on the silk reeling aspect. Uh, do, do you guys do a bunch of that, or are they? Uh, silk reeling is something that really belongs with the Hunyuan Taiji. So that's something that's more like loosening of the joints, trying to create space in the connective tissue between your bones. Um, this is more the foundational ed- exercises and the practical method are more, are more about it's basically taking little pieces of the form, isolating them, and trying to that isolation helps you perfect them. So positive okay. and negative circle. Like the ceiling and closing? Or Peng Lu Jian, that whole thing? Well, yeah. it sounds like it's boiling down to positive and negative circle. Why don't you expound on that a little bit for us? Yeah, that's great. Um, so the positive and negative circle, the positive circle um, is all about finding connections between the hand and the foot, really all over the body. Um from the byway to the um, top of the head, from the foot to the waist, for instance, you're trying to just create as many connections in your body. And in the positive circle, what you're trying to do is the hand comes, the elbow comes in towards the body, and the hand leaves up. Okay. Um, going out from the mouth. In the negative circle, the elbow comes in towards the middle of the chest and then travels down towards your knee and then back up. So it's, it's just, it's, but it's, uh, the positive circle and the negative circle are reverses of each other, but this is the, and the various combinations that you make between those, um, make up forms, forms the body of, of, of the system. Yeah. This is really interesting. Because it, it reminds me of the, the corollaries uh, in other Chinese styles as well, because it's ringing a little bit true with rise, drill, return, fall, as well as perhaps uh, swallow and spit in the southern uh-huh. styles. That's pretty yeah. neat. Yeah. Excellent. Well, um, we've covered a pretty, pretty fair amount of ground here, but uh, we have a question that we're trying to ask all of our guests when they come on. Uh, you got any off-color, wacky, or weird training stories? Uh, <laughs> ever get mugged in a dim sum house in a senior little alley in Taipei or anything like that? Did 30 guys approach your school and try to take your, your gold sign from the front or whatever? That's right. <laughs> we, we already got your arm-breaking story, but if you, if you have anything, and don't be afraid to be off-color or whatever works for you, but uh, we'd love to hear an anecdote. Um, let's see. I know. <laughs> if it involves pants and Carl, or you know, <laughs> that would be preferably good. while he's on one stage. Time, one time, uh, you know, Carl likes to play his little ninja games and like sneak up on you. <laughs> yeah, unaware. That, that Tom Brown stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was uh, in my house, and I have one, one of those doors where it's a, uh, you know, the top. It's separate from the bottom of the door. You can kind of open up the top of the door to let the breeze flow in. Like a Dutch door? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I had I had that situation going on. The top was open. Um, so I heard a knock at the door, and I went to the door, and Carl just pops up out of nowhere. I just <laughs> bam, just popped him in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And he was like, "Yes, that was awesome." <laughs> <laughs> Only a fellow martial artist would say that. <laughs> we are indeed a strange bunch. <laughs> yeah, because I got to be honest with you. If 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 you popped me in the nose like that, I'm sure my response would have been, "Dude, what the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for surprising a Tai Chi man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And uh, I have a I have a question for you. Have you heard about uh, the new Keanu Reeves movie that's coming out? Um, I think so. What is it called? The Man of Tai Chi. <laughs> yeah, he's actually directing a movie out in mainland China. Tai Chi, like, not yeah, sure when it's coming I out. Much about it, but I've heard whispers of it. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> My hopes are not high, <laughs> yeah, but you I don't never know, know if it'll be any good. Well, all right, uh, Todd. Yes. Tell us, tell us what your future plans are, uh, what you're going to be doing uh, in the near future, if there's any seminars coming up or anything you'd like to let the people know about. Yeah, well, we're organizing the first annual uh, World Tai Chi and Qigong Day here in Athens, which is a event wow. that's uh, celebrated in cities all around the world. And so we're getting together, Carl and I, with uh, other teachers of other styles in the Athens area. We're going to have it at the Athens Regional Medical Center. Um, so when is that when, when is that? Yeah. That's coming up April 28th. Okay. And, uh, Where can people go to uh, find out more about it? Um, World Tai Chi and Qigong Day dot org, I think. Okay. Something like that. Um, if you do a search for World Tai Chi and Qigong Day, we should be listed on there. Great. Um, Athens, Georgia event. event. That's kind of a big deal, man. I mean, World Tai Chi Day is, has been going on for a while in different places, and when I've seen YouTube clips, you know, there's like hundreds yeah. of people. It's it's big. That's great. Man. I know. Yeah. There's a lot of you Tai Chi guys out there. What's your agenda? What's your real agenda? <laughs> <laughs> World domination. That's what I thought. Um, you heard it here first. So, uh, yeah, and, and practicalmethod.com is uh, our school's official website, and You'll see all of Master Chen's seminars on there. Um, he supposedly is coming to the Atlanta area June 4th through the 8th, so we're trying to organize something, some uh, seminar for him during that time. It's during the week, so I don't know how uh, well attended that might be. It might have to be on like a Wednesday night that we have the seminar or something. So right. Attend. Um, but we'll, I'll, you should uh, definitely set something up. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep everybody posted as that develops. And they can check that website. He'll be traveling all over the states while he's here, won't he? That's right. Yeah, okay. he'll have, if there's anything happening, he'll definitely have it posted up there. Very cool. Great. And uh, are, do you have any contact info you'd like to give out? Are you blogging anywhere? Do you have a, uh, do you have a website of your own? Um, practicalmethod.org was my website, but it's kind of being rolled into practicalmethod.com right now. And so if you... If you go to practicalmethod.com on the right sidebar, you'll see links, and it links to the Athens, Georgia, USA wow, cool. uh, website. And you've done some writing on there, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, some good stuff. Okay. Uh, anything else you'd like to tell the folks out there in podcast land? 
uh, yeah, just that the guys at Paths Atlanta are are a uh, killer. And <laughs> <laughs> check out pathsatlanta.org when you can. Yeah, we'll have to look into those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, all right, Todd. It's been fantastic talking to you. We need to do this face to face sometime soon. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. And, uh, I really appreciate you for having me on. And, uh, best of luck with your podcast. Definitely. Thank you. We'll have to get you back on again sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, all right. Thank you for coming on. Hiya. Hiya. Hang on to your $3 hats, folks. It's time for news, news, news from the wacky world of martial arts. Sending it over to you, Craig, at the news desk. Oh, yeah, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) This seems to be a a regular theme. theme. It does, but (laughs) the sun's gone down, you know, and it's it's nighttime, and I don't know. I'm starting to lose it a little bit. Hang in there, baby. All right, I'll give it a shot. Well, keeping in line with the theme of uh, today's discussion topic of um, organization and ranking and things like that, I've got a question for you guys. You've heard of Bruce Lee, right? right? No, never heard of him. No, never oh, heard of that dude. No, well, he was Can you give me a guy. hint? Can you help me out? Yeah, yeah, the Chinese guy. Remember him? No. Do you remember he kicks a lot? Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Helping, the, dead, the dead guy. The dead one. Oh, okay. <laughs> but actually, no, not dead. You know, he actually has a black belt now. Now. Wait, oh, did really? the Mormons do this to him? <laughs> <laughs> the trick is, it's not the Bruce Lee you think. It's oh. Bruce Lee Solitary II, seven-year-old Dave, who now has his black belt in Taekwondo. Nice. Kudos to you, Brucey. A tip Kudos of the hat. Good, good work. Yeah. You know that that, <laughs> that that reminds me of all the Bruce Lees I've known in my life. There was a Korean liquor store owner back in Athens, and I asked him what his yeah, name was one night, yeah. and he's like, Bruce. I'm like, really? Well, Bruce Lee? You're kidding me. He's like, no. I'm like, did you know that when you picked? He's like, oh, yeah. They gave me a choice, and I said, Bruce Lee. <laughs> Oh, so kudos man. to him too. Yes, yeah, indeed. No yeah, it's not much of a big news story, but uh, I thought that name was unique enough when I was scrolling through the what? internet news. You I had what? to do it. Good on the seven-year-old for the black belt. Yeah, yeah, but it's great. Same, now he can stop. You at, know? at the same time, <laughs> I, it, it might also lead me to ask what it might say about your particular school if you give a seven-year-old a fucking. Yeah, black well, belt, it's but... sponsored by the ATA. You know, and uh, all that you kind know, of stuff. Maybe he's met the criteria. Some kids are just prodigies. There you go. There you go. That's but I still think I could take him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing, you know, that we were talking about pros and cons of those kind of structures. That's that's what I'm talking about right there. You know what? I've, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sudden, suddenly I'm, I'm feeling like a special edition video podcast coming on. <laughs> oh, me. <laughs> you versus Bruce Lee. <laughs> 
No, if there's video, people will know. But if I just put an announcement up on the web that I whip Bruce Lee's butt, <laughs> <laughs> that might be something. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Wow. Sorry, Craig. No, you know what? Thank you, Craig, for including something that's at least positive in the news. You know, I need to focus more on the happy time. parts and the martial arts, but don't worry. We'll get back to your pedophiles and such soon, <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> when they drive us back to it. That's right. Oddly enough, today's episode is Sex Crimes Free. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and another feel good story uh, Chris, the real deal Bill, MMA fighter. Um, has recently won the fight of his life uh, against a, a very rare type of cancer, actually, uh, called fibrosarcoma. You know, the, guy, uh, the guy's been fighting for quite a while, and uh, he found this little bump behind his knee, thought it was nothing, went to go get it checked out, and specialist after specialist, you know, he gets, he gets told he has cancer, and that, uh, that really sucks. The guy's pretty nightmare. young, and yeah, yeah, but uh, he's been through... A few rounds of chemo that really whooped his butt, but he mentioned his instructor and his trainer and his girlfriend and his son all kind of helped him uh, fight his way through it. And as a matter of fact, uh, he's returning to the ring on March 16th, coming up here shortly. Um, Nice. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to him for getting back out there and and really doing what I think the martial arts are are all about. Helping you fight off the dangers in in life, the real dangers, you know. Whether it's the guy on the corner or cancer. Yourself. Look, yeah. every time a martial artist whips cancer, I think an angel gets its black belt. <laughs> Bruce Leroy. Hiya. But, uh, yeah, if you, and if you're interested uh, in more about that, he's fighting for uh, Bama USA. You can go to Bama, that's with two M's, AUSA.com. He'll be fighting uh, at the Commerce Casino. Um, so so check that out. That's, uh, that's something that really kind of brought a smile to, to my face. Um, and not so good news, Afghanistan is still around. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> not like we're going to wipe them off the face uh, of the planet, although some people might like that. Yeah, uh, there are plenty. It's yeah. still True. there, though. True. Yeah, and it will be there. <laughs> and oddly enough, they're starting to show up more and more in, in uh, the martial arts. Uh, as Afghanistan? Fact, Afghanistan. Uh, <laughs> and specifically, female Afghans. Nice. Um, in, a, in a country where, you know, it's it's... Islam is kind of the the main gig there, and and females don't really have you know too big of a of a party going on there. They're getting huge into the martial arts uh, for protection and also for um, empowerment, self empowerment. As a matter of fact, uh, they are sending seventeen year old boxer uh, to the Olympics in London. Um, you know, and back in. What's going on with this? Jason, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, this. I'm, I'm having I'm having horrible horrible yeah. visions of like Iron Burka style, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, a burka and a ninja <sighs> outfit are so similar. True, it doesn't show anything but the eyes. I would, but I'm surprised to hear about boxing because that's a little bit more revealing. The clothing it is. involved. It, well, yeah. That's- on a serious note, you know, there are still probably plenty of secular or non insane uh, Afghani people out there. Oh, so we yeah. want to make sure that you don't think we're stereotyping <laughs> your whole no, country no, no, based no. on the last you know, thing we the need the Taliban. Is a, we, don't, we don't need the ninjas crawling the wall and we don't need a fucking fatwa either. Uh, so. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, but kudos to, to Afghanistan for doing this, you know, for, for pushing past, uh, you know, the, the religious views and everything else and, and the deals with sexuality. Um, to to get their their women out there. I mean, in two thousand four, you had uh, one of the very first uh, Af- 
women from Afghanistan uh, to participate in the Olympics uh, in judo. Uh, and she did really well, you know. So yeah, right on. That's that's kind of you know it's not huge news, but but to me it's it's news to me. And I thought you yeah. might find it interesting. No, that is. Um, if only we could push past the religious stuff in this country. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Oh well, but it ain't that kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It well, occasionally it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, down in Florida recently, a little closer to home since we are recording this from Georgia. Uh, I'm sure Dave over here has heard of Fernando Rodriguez, who, um, you know, got angry in a traffic jam and uh, the road rage took over. This guy's a MMA guy, you know, BBJ, Muay Thai, all that good stuff. Um, but he decided to step out of the car with his gun, and he did not use it except on the guy's face, you know, the pistol whipping, actually. So he pistol whips one dude for not um, moving as fast as he should have, uh, and then and just beat another one, you know, down. Unfortunately, gotten court and the judge said now your hands and feet are deadly weapons oh nice somebody actually forget the went gun in your hand holy shit <laughs> it's no longer just a cliche some judge somewhere said nope your hands and feet are deadly weapons oh exactly and shit. you can't have bail and you know what maybe this guy shouldn't be out on bail it sounds like he's got some real anger management issues to maybe, work through maybe not but whoever he was gonna fight next they probably got off good i don't want to be fighting a guy who can't control his anger like that Right. I really don't. No. and But, you know, you call his hands a deadly weapon, then that sort of makes the gun he was holding insignificant, doesn't it? <laughs> well, <exactly>. <laughs> that, <laughs> that he was beating the guy with. Guns him. don't kill people. Guns in people's hands kill people. Exactly. <laughs> or occasionally dropped on the concrete, but that's another story, too. Dude, I mean, but could you imagine the... The, just the sheer street cred of having oh, yeah. hands and feet that yeah, are exactly. le- legally certified yeah. as deadly weapons. I'm sure that's... when they finally let him out of prison, because he was teaching at an MMA gym mm-hmm. or co-founder of one, then that's going right up on the sign. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Head instructor, you know, uh, hands and feet officially, legally declared deadly, deadly weapons. He can't keep his hands in his pockets because he's concealing. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, go down to the, the courthouse time... and I'm going to see it. Like, what do I have to kill to get my hands certified a deadly weapon? <laughs> Yeah, you know, but if now, I strangle a rat, will that do, or do I have to actually? <laughs> yeah, but picture this guy now on the on the forums. All right, you know the typical argument: traditionalists, MMA guys. Oh, it's two deadlies. It's two deadlies. Now this guy's on the opposite end. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> he's too deadly. <laughs> you can't get in the ring. I don't care if you can fight. That's a deadlies. Two deadlies. Yeah, for the ring. Yeah. And for one. Final uh, interesting piece of news. Uh, you know, I found this uh, pretty interesting. I thought this guy had been gone for quite a while and, and was just done with all this, but evidently not. Have either of you heard of uh, Kevin Ferguson? Or maybe you know him by his other name, Kimbo Slice. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Is back in action, and he's now in a boxing ring on March 24th. You can find that uh more information in the uh, show notes on the website. But, uh, you know, uh, Kimbo, Slice, holy Jesus, what is he? Uh, he's <laughs> he's actually now, a, you know, a professional fighter. I mean, this was the guy on YouTube everybody would send videos to their friends about, you know, beating up little kids 
in the backyard and stuff. <laughs> I mean, ridiculous. Hey, some of those guys weren't so little. You know, the guy's got some fighting skills, but he's not a, a, a well-trained boxer. That's the so the he's going to be the guy that I've they. He's going to be the guy that they call when they need a, a Randall Tex Cobb. <laughs> or a butter bean, or one of those guys that'll get in the ring and can at least go a few rounds. You know, that's not easy to knock down. That's tough. Oh, he's got the persona too. But he's he not can... going to beat whatever fighter they put him with. Oh God, no. he's going to get. Spa- well, this is just my prediction. I could be completely wrong, and he could be the next heavyweight champion of the world. I'm kind of, but thinking, I think though. he's going to be an in between bout guy for a payday for some of the you know some of the bigger fighters because he has a name. Yeah, he People does. know Kimbo Slice. Now, they when you do. said Kevin Ferguson, I was thinking of the guy with the late night hawk talk <laughs> That was my point. Or, or, you know, a guy who was in a band I knew in Athens, but uh, that's such a. My other point is man. this, though, is when has anybody ever known him as Kevin Ferguson online? No. The guy knew what he was doing. Why'd he come up with that name? The guy had a long time plan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he created this persona, he created a marketing plan, and. He's oh, God. going all the way, and the he's bank. done it. You know, he's built, built in built in catchphrases. Yes, yeah. indeed. You know, yes, indeed. What what would one of those be? Uh, just off the top of my head, uh, I'm gonna slash uh, you, Kimbo style. <laughs> there's a good one. Uh, you punch a dude in the face, and you say, "Get yourself a slice." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't get a slice, <laughs> Kimbo pie. <laughs> yes, indeed. You see what I'm saying? I mean, dude. Yep. That's yeah, that's no. without much effort. I just, I just wanted to hear what was going through your head. <laughs> that's begging the question. Uh, so, hey, listeners, get up on the comments and tell us your Kimbo Slice catchphrase. Yeah, give us a Kimbo <laughs> Slice catchphrase. We may do a little uh, prize for the winner. You that's know. over there at HiyaPodcast.com. That's H-I-Y-A-A Podcast.com. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So, and and uh, that's a very good point, Dave, uh, and that's something you might want to mention. Is uh, we've got some prizes for some upcoming contests and things that are going to be happening. So. Hundred internet points, people. Exactly. Shiny new ones, not used. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've reached the internet like some of us have, uh, you know this will help you extend. You know, and you can push Further past your, the- your your limits. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the news. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got, Jack. All right. Well, that was your news. Hiya. Martial arts. I thought they'd get on with that sentiment. (laughs) (laughs) Five friends grow up. To fight for their team. You know what? I'm not going to let that trailer run on for the next two minutes because there's virtually nothing but the sound from the music, uh, from the movie <laughs> um, and, and that drum music. But I we're going like to start off on the lighter end of the spectrum today, folks. Uh, we've talked about some kind of heavy movies and uh, 
This time I want to point your eye to Netflix where you should look for Wushu, the 2008 ver- version, also known as Jackie Chan's Wushu. Although, guess what? Jackie Chan's not in it. Jackie Chan. Uh, he, he probably <laughs> He's co-directing it, I believe, though. Uh, I think he ponied up some money, and that's about it. That's all you need to do, really. But Samuel Hung Kambo is in it. That's what I'm we talking. We all know that Three Hairs is the badass of the that's bunch right. anyway. <laughs> we like us some Samo. So, look, this is the kind of martial arts movie. It's actually based around a wushu team, a modern wushu team, uh, that uh, oh has three kids that are best friends, and they meet two more kids there, and they get together, and they have a se- secret clubhouse they call the Jingwoman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nice. And, uh, you know, they, they grow up, you know, they start when they're about seven and it picks them back up again when they're about 17 and they're competing for the big uh, uh, regional finals, you know, for the national wushu team. And uh, oh, they're trying to get on to the team. Yeah. And Samuel Hung is the teacher and the father of two of the students. Hmm. And uh, all of that stuff, if you're familiar with Chinese uh, martial arts movies, Hong Kong style stuff you'll realize that they mix genre elements together in ways that are often uncomfortable for uh, for <laughs> Westerners that aren't yeah. used to having these things all mashed together in the same movie. And 80% of this movie, at least 80% of it, is exactly the kind of stuff that you could sit down and watch with your kid. There's only a couple of fight scenes in the whole thing, but there's lots of wushu performance. And the, you know, the, they got, obviously got like top performers to do it because there is some really nice wushu choreography. You might it. want to explain what uh, kind of what wushu is in this context. Yeah, I mean, the, the term in general means martial arts in Chinese, but it's, it's used, uh, has been used since the uh, Chinese takeover. Uh, well, once I got finished trying to stomp it completely out for the, uh, for the centrally organized government more performance art than martial art uh, um, of wushu, of competitive martial arts. And, um, <clears throat> and again, it's not, it's not the same ball of wax as traditional martial arts, but these people are phenomenal acrobats yeah. and phenomenal athletes, and yeah. athletes in general. And it's really, you know, it can be really soul It's a beautiful art, too. Yeah, to, to watch these guys. I think, you know, they keep trying to get, like, Taekwondo as an Olympic sport, where it is now, but yeah. they keep trying to get other stuff as Olympic sports. Why is wushu not an Olympic sport? Well, taekwondo and quite a few others uh, basically steal a lot of stuff from wushu performances and add to their demos. But then none know. of those are performances in the sport event itself. I mean, I they have competitions, but in wushu competitions, there's already a judging system. There's already yeah. all that. Anyway. It's you know, huge all over yeah. the East. Uh, I mean, the West Coast, you know. And there's some here, too. You know, yeah. lots of kids love to practice that stuff. Dave. The other Dave. Yeah, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a local wushu teacher here in Atlanta. As a matter of fact, I'm, it'll, it, 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 before before it's all said and done, it, it, MMA will be the the Olympic martial art. No, I don't know because they've already got Olympic MMA. Wrestling. Yeah, maybe they're we'll trying see. to get it uh, legalized up in Connecticut and New York right now. Actually, uh, they've got nine senators uh, behind the New York State. Uh, and they're trying to yeah. get UFC legalized. Oh, that will happen. I'm sure that'll happen because, mm-hmm. frankly, states are money-starved right now and any oh, yeah. other source of revenue. Gambling, MMA, all sorts of stuff. We may have gladiatorial automobile fights oh, in the yeah. next couple yeah. of years. That's what yeah. I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, for that. 
<laughs> so anyway, you know, 80, 90% of this movie is just, you know, really kind of, it's not the best made film, but it's, it's decent enough direction and production and, uh, some decent acting in it too. It's not bad. And it's the kind of thing you'd sit down with a 10 year old kid to watch and they would get a real kick out of it. Very cool. Let me ask you just out of curiosity. I'm kind of guessing the answer is yes. In this circle of friends in the movie, there's got to be at least one female. And does one of the f- yeah, two, friends. Actually. Oh, so there's, there's got to be there's the a love, love interest. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. The whole right. thing. And, but it's all puppy love. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's very chaste. It's a Chinese and, movie. So, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's. It's really well done in that regard. But now I, I will warn parents, you know, if you're, it's rated PG-13. And if your kid is under 13 and not, and you're not comfortable with uh, the way genres are mishmashed together, there is a villain and there are a couple of real fight scenes. The, the last one gets a little rough. And also um, the villain is a former student of the, you know, master that was dishonored and went away. Uh, How yeah, many yeah, times yeah. have we heard that plot before? <laughs> uh, but he's a... Kidnapping small children and popping them into baskets for sale to foreigners <laughs> on some foreign market or something—it's nice. it's pretty damn grim. Good deal. Good deal. Um, and like they, they don't dwell on that much, but I'm like, oh, that's a little harsh for the tone of this movie. <laughs> oh wait, I'm watching—I'm watching a Hong Kong movie. Yeah. So, um, or actually, I, I think it's probably a mainland co-production because they're using lots of locations and and yeah, you know, wushu stuff from the mainland. So. Um, that being said, you know, sit down with your 13-year-old or however young you feel this is appropriate for watching. And, you know, Sammo Hung's in this. And for everybody that loves Sammo Hung, we know everybody loves Sammo Hung. Okay, Sammo Hung. all He's you got to say and- is fat old guy that can still get up and move. Yeah. And I mean, oh, move, dude. boy. <laughs> and he doesn't get a fight scene until the very end of this. But when he does, I literally laughed out loud, just enjoy, because he, he pops a good ass whooping on somebody. I bet. Yeah, he would, for those of you guys who don't know, he was a training brother of um, Jackie Chan as well as Jim Biao. Yeah. Um, those three are, are kind of king of kung fu cinema, so to speak. That's right. Everybody yeah. knows Sammo Hung these days, man. Well, he had that TV show. I was going to say, you know, even, my, even my mom hate, watched yeah, Martial Law. I, I hate Martial Law. I liked the first season of that. They just turned it to like crap it. the second. Well, well you know, it was, I was a CBS just, production. It beats the pants off and, Walker, and, Texas Rangers, so had, had Chuck... It, Having, on. having not seen it, it oh, sounds no. like perhaps a little the the, the movie here danger. sounds it sounds like it's perhaps a a little darker, more Chinese version of Sidekicks. Oh, oh my God, <laughs> I love Sidekicks though, and there kid. are strong oh. elements of uh, Karate Kid in there too. Oh, cool! I'll, I'll even I won't spoil it, but uh, Sammo Hung even does a little nod to that in his big fight scene at the end. Sweet. So keep your eyes the peeled, leg, Johnny. And, yeah. Check that out. So you know, if you want to, if you want to think of uh, some slightly more adult fare, let's uh, let's check this out. Going straight for the porn, are we? <laughs> you wish. <laughs> Stopping you. Gunning for the two at the top. Fifty percent, no less. Hey, you know you're dealing with the yakuza, right? 
Yeah, that was a dental drill. <laughs> nice. That's the name of the movie, Outrage. That is the name of the movie. <clears throat> Excellent. So, Outrage. This is a uh, Takeshi Japanese? Katano. Yeah, yeah. Japanese, also known as uh, Beat Takeshi. Um, Takeshi. Yeah. Huh. I've uh, this guy started out as a as a like a singer, dancer, comedian guy what? in Japan, but he has started making or started quite some time ago uh, making. Uh, Basically, Yakuza movies. Nice. That are absolutely fucking brilliant. Really? Now, this is his most recent one. This is up on Netflix streaming. So is uh, I've only Sonatine. seen a couple of Yakuza movies, but I've liked them. Uh, this guy's great. Like, if if the Pusher trilogy that I pimped yeah. a few shows back uh, is the street-level thing of what happens in the world of crime and drugs, this is what happens in the Ivory Towers. Nice. So this is all about the high-level guys getting mixed up in one way or another. Um Getting tattoos, right? Oh, they've all got their <laughs> tattoos. <clears throat> Although you don't see them most of the time because they're wearing really yeah. nice suits. <clears throat> there's not... Arms around some hot Japanese chick, you know? Yeah, there's some of that. I mean, it's it's one of those movies. It's it's really, it's almost more like The Sopranos or something. You oh, know, I where like that. There's a lot of day-to-day business. But then, of course, to make the movie work, everything goes all to hell. Right. And... uh <clears throat> You know, I, I've watched several of the ones he's done. He also did the recent remake of Blind Swordsman. I haven't seen that one. Um, and uh, I, I just can't recommend his ouvure highly enough. This uh, The first movie I saw his was called Fireworks or Oniba. And ah, I, Oniba, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Okay. Brilliant nice. movie, just brilliant. And, and this follows in the same style because he's directing this, but... And that one he played a cop, you know, that uh, mm-hmm. his wife was dying. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not yeah, going to give the summary of that movie, but, but uh, <laughs> definitely check it out. Um, but in this one, he's one of the, you know, upper level gangsters, but not at the top. And he gets played between a couple of other gangsters who are trying to take over the business, but who are, in fact, being played by the head gangster. That's so, something you, you, you see in Asian movies that well, I absolutely freaking love. When you talk about plot twists... They twist and retwist and twist, man. You never see it coming. Right, and the thing is, I this is that. not heavily plotted, and it's right. not heavily, uh, um, there's not a ton of dialogue. In no, it but either. the who's playing who but game. But the who's yeah. playing who game switches sides several times, and again, I don't want to throw any spoilers or anything in here. So, you know, this is not straight up a martial arts movie, but we all know that uh, people who love martial arts movies also tend to get into the shoot 'em up The shoot em ups and stuff, and, and don't. Don't get me wrong. This is not bullet ballet. And hot Asian chicks. Did I say that? Yeah. There's, yeah. there's always a little of that for you. In there, <laughs> I, I know my audience. Uh, <laughs> Yellow fever, anyone? <clears throat> but, uh, you know, 
it's basically a lot of mobsters trying to kill each other. It's just really well done. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to tell you people, go out and watch this thing. Because, uh, again, this is not for kids. So if you got kids, <laughs> watch Wushu with them. And then when you put them to bed, uh, then buckle you watch up the and other watch and... something like this. And it's just, he manages to make his movies good all the way to the end. You know, Fireworks had a great ending, one of my favorite movie endings of all time i think just because of the emotional impact huh. but this one the end of this is is basically just a joke and bad taste <laughs> but that it sounds it, like my life it so sums up what the whole movie was about that it really puts the whole thing in perspective uh, so <clears throat> you know get out there get your gunplay get your uh, dental drills horribly abused <laughs> and uh did, as soon as i heard it i knew it was a dental drill you yeah. know like i'm surprised nobody said is it safe <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh yeah get on out there and watch this thing i think you'll enjoy it so that's gonna do it for the medium op up this week nice okay so <clears throat> we're rounding down to the end of the show here uh we had a really good time talking to todd Elay hugh Yes, definitely. Did I get that Ella, right? Ella Hugh. Ella Hugh. Ella Hugh. Ella right. Hugh. He's going to punch me in the mouth next time I see him. <laughs> or the nose. Make sure That's you play That's what you get when ninja. you go change your name on me because I'm old and I don't remember things too well. Uh, my tongue doesn't like to work in new and interesting ways. Oh, wait. Uh-huh. Let's, uh, I love that softball up there. I don't know. I don't Luckily, know. my wife's not here to hit it out of the room. I don't know if I'd have told that, just saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can edit that out in post, right? <laughs> moving along uh so uh we have uh for the end of the show all right well we don't get too jumpy we i have would never our i would never quote of the week from oh, our yeah. dulcet toned craig keesling i am the dulcet toned i'm not even sure what a dulcet is however i do know that only a warrior chooses pacifism others are condemned by anonymous <laughs> nice <laughs> i like the sentiment of that one nice <laughs> okay well that brings us to the end of yet another wild wacky and wonderful episode of hiya the martial Hi-ya. arts podcast uh folks we got the website up there's places everywhere you can comment now and have your voice heard especially you can email us at mailbag at hiya dot com nice hiya podcast oh that's, sorry that's, i keep doing that mailbag yeah. at hiya podcast dot com that's that's, that's m-a-i-l bag <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> once again it's not that kind of podcast <laughs> although it's getting hot in here uh yeah so hit us up and uh let us know what you think and we'll be digging into the mailbag to get your ideas and thoughts out into the podcast um as soon as you send them to us um yeah. We're working on getting some more exciting guests for you. I actually have a couple of people that are have agreed to come on, but we have not booked yet, so I'm going to hold those names back. But uh, keep looking for it. It's, it's a coming. cliffhanger. Yeah, it's we've a cliffhanger. got some juicy treats coming along the way. If you if you think what you've heard so far was pretty good, just keep listening, folks. We got a lot of we good got, stuff. We coming. got more pretty pretty good coming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got more pretty good. We got a whole sack full of pretty good for you people. <laughs> Uh, go to iTunes, you know, if you're listening to this, you found us somehow, but please subscribe to the podcast. We need ratings and we need reviews and we need them bad. Hey, and for all you people that have the itch to get first in, it may have happened before you hear this, but, uh, if not, nobody's reviewed us yet. Be first. Be first. First first. in. 
Uh, and uh, we're going to have some new segments for you. Like I said, the mailbag. We've got a special thing called Judy Chop coming, Judy up, Chop. <laughs> coming up next week. But we'll let you in on what's going on with that then. So, uh, once again, thanks to my co-host, Craig Kiesling. Thank you. Hi. And uh, Magnificent Jay behind the boards over there. It's Ooh. always a pleasure, as usual. I think I can officially say that now we've done a few of these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this will be old hat in no time. I, I might have jumped right. the gun the first time I said that, but I mean it now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it now. <laughs> it's real now. Turned out I, was, I wasn't lying, just to be courteous. And uh, thanks to Todd again for coming on the show and talking about uh, Chin Taiji for us. And that's all until next. Oh, I almost said Not next, next week. week. It's next every time. two weeks, people. It's, uh, I should go ahead and clarify. I put bi-monthly up in the podcast description, which is correct. It is also <laughs> wrong. Unfortunately, bi-monthly means either every, every two, two months, months or, or twice a month. Yeah. So it's every two weeks, folks. We're going to get one of these hot and fresh Perhaps off the presses. Perhaps bi-weekly too. would be. The bi- well, bi-weekly, bi-weekly can mean twice a week, a week oh, or yeah, every yeah, two weeks. Yeah. So let's just say every two weeks. It, it doesn't, it <laughs> there doesn't, we go. No it, fancy term. What it means is every two weeks. It doesn't mean that we swing both ways twice a month. No, that's all the time. No, that's all you. <laughs> and that's all the time that we've note. got. So one, two, three. Hi-yi, everybody. Hi-ya. We'll see you next time.